You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield, and you might be wondering, where are my co-hosts this week? Uh, well, we, we do have a great show planned for you. I'm this week joined by Justin Davis and Sam Claiborne. Tina Amini could not join us this week. Uh, she had something come up at the last minute. So you got a three-person podcast this week. Uh, but then some difficult difficulties happened, so we lost the first couple of minutes of audio from the episode. So I've got to get you caught up to speed, and then I'm going to hand you off for the rest of the episode, which is still a great show. Uh, our butt first this episode is uh, my my sole Cyber Monday purchase that I made. The uh, this coffee table book arcade game typography from a, a designer Toshi Omagari, and it's awesome. It's so nerdy. It's so damey. It just goes through. Uh, Breaking down what goes into all of the fonts and typography from arcade games from the 80s and 90s. This is so me. I love it. The little sort of like setup for the book is that video game designers of the 70s, 80s, and 90s faced color and resolution limitations that stimulated incredible creativity. Letters had to exist within an 8x8 pixel grid. So artists found ways to create expressive and elegant character sets on tiny canvases. And he just goes through hundreds and hundreds of games and just sort of like gives his his take uh, on, on what went into the font. You got Food Fight here, one of my favorite arcade games, one of my favorite games that I used to play on the Atari 7800, of which they say arcade graphics eventually became powerful enough to spare resources for the development of minor elements such as type. And one of the earliest uses of a multicolor typeface was in March 1982 in Food Fight. This three-color font, maybe, oh, get it there. This three-color font uh, uses two darker tones for anti-aliasing around the chunky sans serif and looks great on the intended black background. Eleven color palettes flash constantly on the screen, embracing this newfound graphical potential in type design. My friends, ladies and gentlemen, I have 265 pages of this awaiting me, and... My wife thinks I'm a big old nerd, but I don't care. I think it's great. So then we got into uh, how Casey Hudson is leaving Bioware again, uh, left Bioware in 2014, came back in 2017. He's leaving again now to uh, the only game he launched in his, in his second set there was Anthem. A lot has been said about Anthem. Uh, now, two years after that game's launched, Anthem Next is still nowhere to be found. He's leaving uh, the company again. It's just, we, we you know, we, this is not a new conversation. It would seem that Bioware's glory days are well in their rearview mirror. But that led to a further discussion about uh, Marvel's Avengers, how they're kind of in the same boat. Both of these games, Anthem and Marvel's Avengers, are games as a service that had uh, less than ideal launches, 
But both, uh, you know, EA and Square Enix are trying to keep these games, trying to sort of uh, resurrect, trying to uh, not let have these be, both these games be complete financial uh, losses. And we had an email about Marvel's Avengers, which I'll read to you right here. This comes from Sean from Leeds, UK. It says, last week I saw on various sites, including IGN, that the Avengers game still hasn't made its costs back of making the game. I would love to hear you why you think that is. And there you have it. You're all cut up. I now uh, hand you off to your regularly recorded episode of GameScoop. Please to enjoy. So uh, Square Enix uh, did announce that sales of Marvel's Avengers have been lower than expected. The game has not yet recouped its development costs, leading to a, approximately $67 million operating loss in Square Enix's HD games segment during the last financial quarter. And I think it's interesting that they have an HD games segment. Mm. I guess that's separate from like, you know, they do big business on mobile games. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. of course, those are also HD. Uh, well, know. but we all know what they mean. Um, uh, well, I've never heard that distinction be made, though, but I guess it's just like they can't say console games anymore because it includes PC. And yeah, Yeah. it's just funny to think of it that way. Non-mobile. They just mean non-mobile, right? I think so. Uh, Yeah. Well, the official quote from Square Enix leadership was, we hope to make up for slow initial sales by offering ample additional content to grow our sales. So it's it's Mm -hmm. another situation like Anthem. uh, They're going to keep adding content to the game in the hopes that more people will buy the game. Yeah, uh, Kate Bishop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's multiple new character drops planned for that game. Uh, it, is a, it is a good question, though. You know, the, the what happened to this game, to Marvel's Avengers? A it's a good question. Let's hear it, <laughs> I mean, Sam. There's some obvious stuff, right? It didn't, re- it didn't get good review scores. You gave it a six. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a worldwide pandemic that kept people from buying games. But there's also another thing. There's no Avengers movies this year. There just hmm. isn't like this should have hit when well, there was like everybody was talking about Infinity War. There are no yeah. movies this year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but like that's a big deal, right? When kids are all dressing like Captain America and you know wanting to buy you know, a bunch of merchandise and stuff around the Avengers movies, that's when you hit with a big Avengers game. Like it's just mm-hmm. so obvious, and they missed the window. And I don't think they expected to not have you know movies this year, but also like they would have had Black Widow. Like, come on, yeah. You know? That wouldn't have yeah. pushed it anyway. Like they, they needed to do this during the Infinity War movies. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not convinced that that Avengers is an appropriate property and license to be getting this kind of treatment. Like you know, a looter shooter. Mm-hmm. I know it's not a, a shooter, but like you know, a loot based grind 'em up game. Mm-hmm. You know, and sort of bolting armor onto the Hulk and stuff. Like it feels shoehorned into the license. We're like. I like that kind of game, you know, sometimes like I played destiny for a long time. Um, uh, and it just doesn't jive and gel well with like these Avengers heroes that we know. Mm-hmm. And like it, it feels cynical. Um, and so it already has this hump to overcome, uh, just in that bias there. Um, and so the game has to be kind of extra good to overcome that. And, um, you know, it couldn't deliver on that. Yeah, like, you know, this, it hasn't been um, a, a totally smooth ride for this game ever since it was first revealed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, were, were not too impressed with the visuals. Uh, we mentioned that the character models seemed off. And then it was very confusing what this game actually was to a lot of us uh, for a long time. And then there's that portion of the audience, of the hardcore gaming audience, that doesn't want a game as service. You know, that's sort of vicious uh, of that sort of model. So like your hardcore gamers were always going to be, they were always suspicious of this game. They're always going to be a tough sell. But I guess maybe I am a little bit surprised that a more casual gamer who owns a PS4 or Xbox and just they're shopping at Target, they see there's a Marvel Avengers game. I would think yeah. those people would be a little bit more likely to give, mm-hmm. it a, give it a try, right? I think Avengers is a stronger candidate to be a turnaround story than Anthem is, frankly. Mm-hmm. And that, that's well, just based off like a gut check on my part. Like, you it's know, it's a huge it, license. They have Disney behind yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. And, and they clearly have such a clear and strong path of like adding characters, adding mm-hmm. villains, adding more like the runway there. Like, you know, I'm not a game designer, but it's clear as day how they can sort of continue to support that product for years and years to come. It's weird how Fortnite's become the Marvel living game and the Marvel <laughs> living game is being forgotten about. Um, they, they also could have aligned with the next gen consoles in a more meaningful way. And then, you know, had this like big Marvel push at launch, but they went a little bit early, which seemed like it could work, but you know, 
it just didn't have the i mean also we needed launch games for these consoles too and it would have been interesting if they would have held off and done that but it's been um one of the things i like most about black friday and i I work black friday for ign is seeing which games which contemporary like new games get deeply discounted and which don't because that can sort of reveal the fortunes of that game and it's Mm -hmm. not a reflection of quality at all um uh necessarily but just sales and hype and interest like watchdogs legion was $30 on Black Friday. Um, and like, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was was not $30. It was actually pretty hard to find that game, you know, much mm-hmm. cheaper than $10 off. And so that sort of shows you the rising or falling fortunes of like, you know, certain games that came out within the last calendar year. And um, Avengers is one that I know for a fact it was $30 everywhere and I think actually still is and, and may have actually gotten down to 25 Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that's what I've been spending the most time playing. Uh, last night I ticked over the 30-hour mark, and I still I think I'm still fairly, probably early on in um, uh, the what story. What level are you? <sighs> I'm, I'm nearing, I think, in the late 70s. Okay. Which is a little bit uh, 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 scary to me, because the next areas that I like, I'm not yeah. supposed to go to are like level 160. They like, go up to like 300. When am I, I going to get there? <laughs> I'm doing the math of like, I'm level like 70 or whatever after this many hours. I'm like, am I, unless this picks up the pace, like I'm not going to be there till I'm like 120 hours into this game. Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, to get those skill I, I points, like definitely do the side quests. Those things like, pump, they're like 30 seconds long, a lot of them, and you can get them, get the, get the skill points up. But I'm surprised if you, if you're, I bet the, what was going to happen is that it's going to open up. I think what it does is it shows you low and high areas, and then it sh- then a bunch of in-between ones come along with the story. So I don't yeah. think they're going to push you to one, because I haven't played a 160 yet, and I'm at about 160. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, how, many, how, many, how many hours do you have logged? Well, maybe I did play a 161. Uh, I don't know where the hour count is. I'll look tonight, but I haven't checked. But I did just go to like a new area map, which was like really cool, and it has a kind of like a, an even tied island thing where it like they're hmm. like, you know, this is a whole new way of playing. Do this for a little while, and I thought I'd be annoyed by it, but then I really, really liked it. Yeah, every open world game has to have a survival island now. It's the yeah, law. It's a thing, right? It totally is. Yep. Um, Sam, the uh, the save screen shows your your total playtime. Okay. On your actual save. Does it have uh, a pause screen? Because it feels like it's paused a lot. Looking at maps. Yeah, I'll check yeah, it out. Look at the map. Look I at the skill tree planning out the skill tree but like you guys like i'm also seeing like there's like a monster and i'll go back and be like, i wonder if i can take that on now i'm like no no it's 290 level like yeah. I, I don't even know if i'll ever be at that like i can that's just way too much game yep yeah uh speaking of monsters there's a um hmm, i don't want to spoil anything but there's a you know it, it, there are some like monsters and quotes in the game have you guys encountered any of those yeah yeah. Missions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of them's just a bonus mission that was like I didn't know that was like a you know based on a, a external story that they had, which was kind of funny. But but the, the, when they skirt the supernatural stuff like that, they usually do it by like you're you're dr- drunk or taking yeah, drugs. You're high. And stuff. They do a lot of that, and then um, but then there's some things that aren't like that. Like there there's a collectible in the game that you'll come across. It's not a spoiler. It's everywhere that are curses, mm-hmm. and you kill a like flaming skull and it rids the curse like that's yeah that's a supernatural thing they're fine with there's no explanation for that <laughs> well and that's what i like what i don't mind any of that stuff i think it's fine because i think the assassin's creed is a silly franchise and so sure you know have flaming skulls in it but like what i like is that they do work hard in those games to have a consistent canon like the assassin's creed games have like a through line and lore and so that means in that game world all that shit's just real it all, yeah. it all just exists and like it's i think it's at its height in um in odyssey that just was you know full, like half that game was supernatural enemies which i you know again yeah. i loved it i didn't mind it but like they seem to make no effort at like lore consistency there did they i didn't get to any of the supernatural stuff in that game did they did they do explanations like the thing we're talking about no, you just fight like you fight like gorgons and stuff like that. Really? Like, yeah. Minotaur, it's not like a yeah. giant bear that yeah. turns out to have like a costume. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> there, there actually is some of that too. But no, like you fight Medusa and stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so, I, I've I've aligned with one. I, I don't even know what you call it. One kingdom, and then I'm deep into the, like the storyline of aligning with a second one. Uh, yeah, so, that's the game. You you okay. take over territories. Yeah. There's like. You know, I've probably done like 10 of those now or something. Oh, I don't gosh. know how many there are. I feel like they're really long and I, yeah. that's why I'm only 
Because I'm also yeah, doing a start, lot of side quest stuff. You can probably cook through each territory in like 45 minutes or something if you just do the story parts. And then some are just not as interesting areas as others. So I, yeah. like I try to move through those. And then if it's like a really cool area it takes you to, I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend time doing all the side quests here. The one I've been doing is the one where uh, there's a weenie king mm-hmm. and no one respects him. And he has yeah. to like, yeah, you have to like sort Ch- of chail, 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 chail or chail He's I think he's chail wolf's son. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one I'm like sort of deep into. And right then there's the, the torture guy that's like becomes his, uh, his like, I don't know, his advisee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are recurring characters. And like those ones, like you stick with some of the kingdom characters as they move through places. So you you have some recurrence and then some are just like one offs you go to. You're just like, oh, I killed all the people I needed to kill to kill there. Now I'm going home. Have you guys what do you, what do you think about the side quests? I've I've been a little bit disappointed because um, sometimes yeah. like you like you said, Sam, they they might be like 30 seconds long and there's just not well, much. To when them. I'm grinding, I'm really thankful for that. Like yeah. there is one which is like this pig talks. And, you know, and you know, you're like, okay, hi pig. And the pig is not talking. And it's like, well, you got to drink that first. And then you drink that. And then you listen to the pig twice. And then the side quest's over. Yeah. And it's like, it like, that's They're really all... funny. And there's some where it's like, carry this stuff for me. I'm like, okay. That's the one I met, wanted to mention. The the priest who loves apples. Did you do that one? I, no, but I've carried stuff for other people. They're like, but did, did you do the guy where he's like, throw this stuff over the edge of the cliff? Well, it's just stuff he, like that. Yeah. There's one where like, there's a, nudist, there's a nudist colony, right? And they yeah. want you to go and steal everyone's clothes. Oh, is that one too? They're all the, they're all really short, and they're all uh, they're comedic relief. You know, yeah, almost I mean, yeah, I guess almost so. every single time. And so, like knowing that going into it, we're like that allows it's it's smart because it allows them to have their cake and eat it too, and tell this fairly serious, gritty story. But if you want the comic relief, you kind of have to go seek it out, um, mm-hmm. which you know is clever. But um, no, I I I find myself skipping those side quests. I find myself skipping. I've basically decided to skip the game. <laughs> I, skip I the think, game. I think <laughs> I've bounced with it? off. Yeah, I'm. I'm not quite as far as you, but I did get twenty or twenty-five hours in, and I just I'm not feeling it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's plenty I, to my, play. So, yeah. My, yeah, my feeling about it hasn't changed. I'm definitely enjoying it. I like this type of game, but like, yeah, it's a, it's not top tier open world game or top tier mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed for me. And when yeah. Cyberpunk comes out next week, I yep. might bounce off assassin's creed entirely start like it started with like i'm not getting these treasures anymore these are pointless i don't need to collect these and i'm like you know what i'm also not doing these side quests and then it was sort of like (laughs) i kind of want to skip these main quests too and just (laughs) just put this game on the shelf yeah where's the hook yeah i did a bunch of weapon collecting early on and then i realized like i do have like you since you can upgrade any weapon throughout the whole game if you have like one of each and they have like okay bonuses then it's just like well, I don't. I don't want to spend the time grinding for the resources to update a bunch of weapons. I'll just update this one set and just see how it goes. And it it's fine. I actually like it better than the Odyssey system, but um, I don't have any like. There's nothing. There's no drive for me to keep on collecting in that game right now. Yeah, I've been I dual would, wielding to like light axes the entire game. I don't really feel any any reason to switch it up. You know, two spears is really funny. <laughs> It just, it just changes it just changes your character a whole lot and it looks really stupid and like it's really effective wow yeah maybe i will give it one more shot because i haven't messed i've only done like sword and board so it's mm-hmm. like i should probably try some different fighting styles i, I really like drop shields like i was trying so hard to make shields work and i just mm-hmm. they just they don't matter they don't matter at all and if you put another offense thing in that slot you like do twice as much offense and everything just dies quickly it's just yeah. easy and you, you just, just roll, parry right? Yeah, you just roll and parry. And yeah. I will say, um, I got two weeks ago, I said I was really excited for my 4K TV to come, and it came. You know, the LGCX, which is not just a 4K TV, it's the best 4K TV. Mm-hmm. And um, that game is incredible. It's so much better looking than like yeah. other, you know, other, like I, I think it's, I know this is an underrated opinion. I think it looks better than like Spider Man Miles Morales. Um, call of duty just like the visual fidelity of that compared to every other next gen game i've tried to play like the hdr is just unbelievable um Mm -hmm. which um i don't i don't i'm not like massively influenced by graphics but like that game the leap from like 1080p to 4k it's like it is beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah i do agree especially like scenery wise although maybe facial animation is like not really not the best i've ever seen no Uh, what i wanted to say about that side quest with the priest who loves apples uh, you encounter a priest on the road. He said, "My this 
box of apples fell off our cart. My church is down the road. Can you help me carry the apples? So like, sure. I'm like walking down the road, carrying the apples. And he's going on and on about how much he loves apples. And when we get to the church, we're going to bob for apples. And I was like, this is weird. We're, I'm going to be stepping into something really bizarre. Oh my gosh, what's ahead? And the, no, when you get to the church, he's just like, thanks. Thanks for walking me back with my apples. And like, that was it. So it's like, Hopefully that's setting up something that's going to rec- like 10 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> well, not as good as the talking pig then. Yeah, I guess not. Um, I do like that, uh, the dice game, but I, I don't get to play it enough. Oh my God. I really like it actually. Yeah. I want that as a standalone. Too. I was so mad that I had to play that once. And then I saw that in the assassin's tree, it was like, you know, like, Oh, it's like play, play the dice game and take out this guy. I was like, no, <laughs> it was like beat dice champion to unlock this clue. I really like There's it. There's no That's way. I, I like a, it a lot. It's a Justin and Damie game. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Justin, did you see they're making a physical version of it? No, but that totally <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. There's nothing like there's nothing digital like that could totally be an analog game. So and there's not even that many pieces, you know, that it would require. So do they good. have to like stack those games when you play them in the video game to make sure that the human can win really easily? No. Like, do they you do some kind AI? of like, imbalancing? They certainly could because, you you know, it's dice rolls. Yeah, I, I didn't mean with that. Like, I just wonder if like if you go first, always, it's just so much easier. I just don't know how they set that up. Although in the main quest, like I lost it and it was fine. I just kept going. Yeah, I didn't really understand why I lost it or what the rules were, <laughs> but I tried. Well, next when we record this next week, we're, we'll be recording on the day that Cyberpunk comes out. Ooh, uh, cool. So we probably won't have. I mean, unless we get early copies, which I, I have no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. We won't be able to talk about it next week. I have to wait till the week after that yeah please be excited mm-hmm. let's check in with the listeners hey Hello. listeners listeners remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com just like justin smith in anchorage Ooh. alaska did swerve <laughs> uh mr smith says as i stood in line at 3 a.m this past saturday in the cool alaskan air waiting in line for a 6 a.m release of the 30 units of ps5s my local store had I couldn't help but wonder why consoles are still coming out in November. Uh, I feel like this was a logical move when video games were still a relatively new product and the decision to purchase them fell to parents. Mm-hmm. Launching consoles near holidays helped move units off of shelves and took advantage of Yuletide spending habits. This doesn't seem to be a smart strategy anymore since they can't even keep them stocked. All I could think of as I shuffled in place to stay warm was if this happened in June, it would be fun. I'd bring a grill. I'd make it an event. <laughs> I can't help but think that a summer launch would also benefit the sales since the hardcore gamers could get their consoles at launch and the second wave could be ready to get those Black Friday dollars. What do you think? PS6 is a summer 2027 release? Nice job on 100 questions last week. Well, thank you. I think that's a great suggestion. I completely agree. I'd never thought about it before. The, the, well, idea, cool. the idea of tailgating a console launch, I think, is, <laughs> is fantastic. And the spending around the the uh, the holiday season um, is, you know, what you're, I really like his point about how like that's like a parental thing. And I think a lot of like game sales are like, unfortunately, it's like kids telling their parents what they want, but also parents like making d- decisions on their own and they're bad ones. And I think a lot of people can like sell their bad games during uh, the holiday season. And I'm saying that because I got a lot of bad games. Yep from relatives and people that meant well uh, growing up during that season, just because they don't know, right. They're just like, Oh, just buy whatever's 20 bucks. So there's, there's that still that, that kind of game sales tied to the, the season. But I've always wondered also in the summer, kids have summer jobs. And so once you gain hmm. independence a little bit and have like a job over the summer, like it's really fun to like spend your money on video games. Right. And, uh, and I think that's like a really good time to uh, have new video games and you're not in school. And there's just like, there's a lot going for the summer, but, uh, boy, toy sales and holiday season are just seem to be into just tied so tightly that it's hard to break that. Yeah. I, I, I really like Justin's point that like you could have, you know, you could have this double whammy of like, clearly the hardcore are going to buy the console at launch. And then you get this second wave of like, presumably you have your stock issues, you know, sorted out. Mm-hmm. The console is findable and on store shelves by Christmas. And then, you know, yeah. it can be a big Christmas present too. Um, no, I think he's right. I think he should, um, let's get him in charge of Sony. Let's, let's run this up the chain. Yeah. <laughs> Doug Bowser is uh, coming for you. The weather thing is really, really a good point. I mean, in the Northern hemisphere, it's so awful 
to uh, have to do, you know, consumery outdoor waiting in line things then. And that's like a really unfortunate side effect that I don't think is really considered in any way when they're making these decisions. But I really like that. Of course, we'd be screwing over Australia, parts <laughs> of Africa and South America if we uh, had them in the in um, our summer. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I also think that uh, uh, I, I it's funny because they come out in this, this specific season, this like late November, where like, you, it's not even pleasant in California to have a grill out. Like it doesn't even matter. Like I, I waited in line for the Wii in Arizona, which is a very, very hot state. It got mm. so cold at night. Oh yeah, oh. sure. D- so yeah, it's, it's not good for anybody. I had a nice. when the Wii came out. I was twenty two or twenty three and had an old, terrible beater car. Um, and then I drove. I woke up at like five a.m. to drive to Walmart or whatever and go stand in line and get the Wii. And it was you know freezing since November. And um, and my car window got stuck down on that no. trip. And then um, it was stuck down that whole winter because I didn't have the money to get it fixed. <laughs> and like, I, that's like my enduring, like, I really like my Wii. You know, I was just. You got the Wii by going at 5 a.m.? Yeah. And uh, that, the second half of that story is, you know, I was like 14th in line or whatever number it was. And they, had, they, came, they came out and said, we have 14 systems. So we're handing you this ticket. Anybody that's in line, like, you're not going to get one. You don't need to be here. And there was like a little boy and his mom in line behind me. And the little boy started to cry. <laughs> because and then i was like i was like this close to like turning around and like giving him my ticket and like making his christmas but then i didn't i just kept it and then Mm -hmm. i got the wii um you got it on ebay it's fine (laughs) yeah well i mean they weren't they weren't they weren't like that they didn't really get hard to find until actually the next year when it really became like a phenomenon like that christmas they were they were findable um Mm -hmm. and then i grumbled every time i got my car damn wii cars (laughs) freezing hope it was worth it uh, the Switch launched in March, so that's a little bit. Yep, and was still, yeah. you know, a success. And going back, they, they they didn't really tie it to the holidays. I think for that exact reason, so they could like ramp up hype and ramp up supply, and then like the holidays, you know, they'd be ready for it. It is weird that it's oh. like that now. Well, so you know who had it right then? The Nintendo sixty four and mm-hmm. the Dreamcast. Those oh. are September. Those are September releases. Yeah, yeah September releases, and then like Sega used to do ones in like the like the Saturn was like famously like surprise launched in at E three. Yeah, like yeah. Was it? E3? I think for pure not yeah. for like not for like you know success or like any sort of objective measurement, but just pure hype levels. I don't think the Dreamcast launch like has ever been like nine nine ninety nine, and the event that they made out of that was just like. It's still it's going to stick in my brain forever. It was yep. just perfect. Yep. Um, okay, this is Nick from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, he says, I'm a longtime fan of the Scoop Crew, and I make time every week for the best and only gaming podcast available. <laughs> Towards the end of the year, I find myself going back over previous episodes just to get my Game Scoop fix. And this year, in honor of the Video Game Awards on December 10th, I've decided as fans, we need to bestow our loyal Game Scoop cast members with our own Viewer's Choice Awards. Uh, yeah. So read on to learn my picks for the very first viewer's choice edition of Game Scoop. Which can you recall? He asks. Wait so, a second. So it's just a viewer's choice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a viewer's, yes, viewer's choice. choice. <laughs> <laughs> so hardest video game twenty questions of the year was Project Cross Zone oh. for 3DS from episode five eighty seven. If yeah. we would have done that right now, and you would have said it's this, you know, game with lots of characters, and this is exactly <laughs> what it came out on, and you guys had it for twenty questions. <laughs> At this date, I would have not been able to say that name. Oh, probably. Uh, the the slickest twenty question save was NES Remix from episode five hundred sixty six. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I that was this that year. Either. Swag of the year was Damon's pink Genesis hoodie, which I meant to pull out. Um, <laughs> that in episode five hundred sixty two. That was a good one. What mm-hmm. about the hat? What about the LED hat? I know. I, I don't know if that got an award. Mug of the year was the elusive red IGN mug that mysteriously isn't on the IGN store. Mm. Oh, yeah. We don't sell any mugs on the store yet. No mugs. Note to self. Uh, prediction of the year. Justin correctly predicted the title of Super Mario 3D All-Stars in episode 573. Is that really true? <laughs> Said maybe they'll call it that, like Mario 3D All-Stars or something. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's uh, amazing. Con- Controversy of the year, the uh, Wario dispute on video game 20 questions. Was it for Wario Land Shake It? Uh, yeah, it was that. There was a yeah. GameCube game called Wario Land. 
that I think we called it for, but the or, the game oh, was a Wii game. Shake it was Wii. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. The F bomb award goes to Sam for various episodes. I've said it once this year. Yes, that's true. Uh, but I've always asked you to beep it, so it's really that award should go to Damon. <laughs> special guest of the year goes to Tina's cat Lion. Mm-hmm. Uh, comment of the year was apparently me. I uh, when when trying a suggested website for online quizzes, I said this website Sporkle is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Uh, but the runner-up comment of the year comes from Sam <laughs> when discussing the size of Gollum. You said oh. he was a Hobbit. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the context of that. Maybe the Gollum game. Well, he was uh, a store, so I should have corrected yeah, myself. Yeah. Most renowned hard out host is Tina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Topic of the year, comparing other games to Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From various episodes, well, one could say most episodes. <laughs> okay. First of all, <laughs> we're criticized for that, so I think we reduced it in 2020, if anything. Yeah, it was, it was winding down. We probably reduced it in 2019 and then ramped it back up again. Okay. Yeah, because that's when people were most critical about it. Yeah. Uh, no. The runner-up topic of the year was, how much will the next-gen consoles cost? I guess we had that uh, discussion mm-hmm. on various episodes. I the wonder R- if we ever did formal, like, I, don't, I wonder if we did formal, pre- like, predictions on that. I mean, I don't think 499 is, like, a controversial thing, but, like, I think we were a little worried that the PS5 might be more expensive earlier in the year. Most anticipated upcoming game is Pine Tree Jack, developed and published by Samco. And so that must have been when uh, when we had we had the Ant Stream uh, guy on about the streaming retro game service, Sam. Yeah. And you pre- you were presented us with some titles of retro games, and one of them was some of them were real, some were fake. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Pine was Tree that Jack. this year? I mean, right? It says episode five hundred sixty-two. I guess it was this year, man. But that was in the studio, so it must have been yeah. January, February. And yeah. remember, they were going to have a presence at South by Southwest in March. Yeah. Uh, the Game of the Year award goes to the uh, Sam Prank Potato Game. <laughs> we talked about that in episode 564. That's when two listeners like prank each other by sending them stuff with your face right. on it, Sam. There's no way that that was this year. It was this year? Was it really? Uh, and then uh, I, wish, I wish Tina were here for this because Omega Cop of the Year award goes to Tina for consistently managing to bring up Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if I can't bring up Breath of the Wild, then I'm going to bring up Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> as well. Um, all right, that was A Viewer's Choice Awards. The first annual. Can't believe it. Um, we'll have to pass on uh, congratulations well, to Tina. As the only video gaming podcast, it's good to have our first award season. Yeah, it really is. Right, really very nice. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. 
And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com slash gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, okay, since we are in uh, December now, that can only mean one thing. It's time to head to the magazine rack. And uh, I have the December 1988 edition of Video Games and Computer Entertainment, the premiere issue with an illustrated uh, a scene from Blaster Master on the cover. Are you guys seeing this? Yeah, yeah I got to click and on I this. And I made it all big on my screen, so cool. good to go. It's it's the Holiday Buyer's Guide for Nintendo, Atari, and Sega. And then there's Computer Games. New <laughs> so games I like how they're playing down the cool thing in this game, which is the tank. Yeah, yeah that's the way you count. Let's get the little man. Let's get the little man out of the tank. <laughs> and also the little man is not like, you know, they always just really tried to cover up, you know, anime looking things right and so this is like oh yeah the, this yeah. is the mega man cover version of uh blaster master yeah uh i wanted i kept this ad in <laughs> this is a game i've never heard of vampire's empire Whoa. uh for for amiga commodore 64 but this scene is so crazy yeah. for our listeners here i'll try to describe this what's going on um, the game is called vampire's empire uh it's a 2d platformer uh apparently You've got uh, a Dracula coming out of a coffin that's like a Nosferatu type uh, mm-hmm. vampire, and then an old man standing above him who seems very surprised. Yeah, and in this game, clearly Santa. You play as Van Helsing, though. Oh. So, for oh. assume this is Van Helsing, mm-hmm. what has happened here? He's wearing a robe. He has no weapons, no stake or anything. Mm-hmm. He's encountered a coffin. He opened it, and he's surprised that a vampire came out. Maybe that's just a lowly villager that has to be saved by Van Helsing. Yeah, also, maybe. check out that cool logo for Magic Bites. Magic Bites. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm uncomfortable with how Vampire and Empire don't quite rhyme. Yeah, Vampire's Empire. 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 Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really bugging yeah. me. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> they should have... I can tell what happened here. This, so, uh, you know, Somebody made a really cool like castlevania like game right you can see like it looks like you know like yeah. like it's dark and and gloomy and really cool and then uh then their little brother made the the art for the for the for the flyer <laughs> yeah. and they're like you screwed it all up <laughs> would you already send this to the printer you screwed it up the it says high resolution and smooth scrolling graphics not recommended for persons with weak souls oh dang well mm-hmm. i'm gonna look this game up the tagline is also, you will learn to be afraid, very afraid. What and system be is afraid, Well, like Amiga and Commodore 64. Okay. Uh, and be afraid, be very afraid was the tagline to the Fly remake, uh, David Cronenberg's Fly remake. So oh, they borrowed really? that. Yeah. That's where that came from. Huh? And that was in the zeitgeist at the time. Hot dates. Hot dates. Upcoming, upcoming so Konami games. Upcoming Konami games, Life Force, it says Sword to the Galaxy's Rescue in your sleek road British space destroyer. What? Yeah, I know. Everyone knows it's the Vic Viper. Uh, but I, I, I looked up the manual for Life Force and the, the, the Player 2 ship is called Road British. What? Okay. So I, <laughs> I know. So I don't know why, how that made it here. Man, and what then, a what a line, like what a back-to-back on these. Man, in a four-month span, some of the greatest games ever made. Yeah. Well, so yeah, ev- for the listeners, this is for Life Force, Adventures of BioBilly, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, Track and Field 2, and Blades of Steel. And, they- and they're all hitting August, uh, October, October, November, December. I just want to like pause here. Which is the greatest games ever made well, on here? Well, as Life that Force came out of my mouth, I'm like, <laughs> I may have slightly oversold it. <laughs> But Life like, Force is good. Like Life Force is really good. Like yeah. you know, Blades of Steel. Blades is of Steel really is good. good. Yeah, it is. Blades of Steel is a is a pretty hot hit for that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. But but Castlevania is great, and Track and Field is great. But these are Castlevania two and Track and Field two, which are not yeah. so great. Yeah. The yeah, copy right. for copy for Biobility Biobility says uh, venture to the armed estate of Dat Gangster, King of Bourbon Street. Dat is it supposed to be like red and like a heavy like yeah. m- like mobster accent? I guess, yeah. I guess. Uh, or like New Orleans patois. Yeah. Dat I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't want to trip. But for Blades of Steel, it says from the creators of Double Dribble. 
<laughs> cool. Uh, and the contents, uh, the only thing note here is that they mentioned that um, the cover illustration, uh, the art was by Alan Hunter, and it says it's Jason and Metal Attacker from Suncom's smash hit Blaster Master. But that's a Sunsoft game. Sunsoft. Wow. And they Maybe get Sunsoft right later in the issue. So I don't okay. think. I don't okay. know how they got that wrong here. Suncom is not. I don't think that's a real. It's, because, it's the same thing we point out whenever we look at these, Damon. They were just doing whatever they wanted back then. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, it wow. Is true. Andy Eddy is is I, is in here. Well, yeah, he does a review. Um, he reviews Contra, <laughs> but then and then later on, he become the editor in chief of this magazine. Wow. So introduction, the premiere issue. Uh, the three premier game machines that have captured the lion's share of the current market are all sold by video game giants, Atari, Nintendo, and Sega. Each of these game systems is an excellent entertainment value and will provide hours of video game enjoyment. They are, however, very different. Each has its own strengths and weaknesses. And I just want to go over how they describe Nintendo. The Nintendo offering was originally introduced in Japan, where it is enormously popular. As a result, a very good selection of game cartridges is available. Another plus is the Nintendo-sponsored third-party development program. This has put dozens of new games on the market with many more to come, covering nearly every topic imaginable. I like thinking of games as covering topics. Uh, The (laughs) Nintendo is the smallest... They covered Crocodile Dundee with Bayou Billy. They covered (laughs) Rambo with Contra. They they covered Dracula with Castlevania. Mm -hmm. Uh... The Nintendo is the smallest in size of the three units and fits nicely into a tight space. The cartridges may be difficult to insert by very young children, however. While the graphics and <laughs> while the graphics and sound effects in most of the Nintendo compatible games are excellent, many also utilize musical scores playing in the background, which are incredible. Nintendo also excels in adventure type games. The Legend of Zelda, Metroid, Kid Icarus, and Blaster Master are only some examples. Three Nintendo games and a Sunsoft game. These games contain a wealth of detail and also provide the player with a goal, a sense of purpose in finishing a game. Many also provide the means to stop playing a game, then resume at a later date close to the point where the player left off. What? I know. That's next gen then. Next gen, 1988. Mm-hmm. So now we have an ad uh, for joysticks by Bishu. Bishu is the uh, the company, the manufacturer here. And they have three different models. One is give your quote entertainment system a real zinger <laughs> zinger so i guess yeah zinger is the 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 uh controller for the nes or the ultimate super stick and it says uh i guess the ultimate can also be used on the nes which is like a, an arcade stick it's wireless yeah. and then it says for other quote video game end quote players we have some really hot stuff and hot stuff is trademarked i don't know <laughs> wait, how they were able to trademark hot stuff are you sure that it's wireless are you just that, Oh, but yes, because the next ad is for the ultimate, the wireless. <laughs> How are they doing that? Stick. How did they do that? Yeah, I mean, it's they, the NES had a bunch of these. Their line of sight, they use the same thing that a, a, a TV remote uses. So it's like basically an infrared signal to a receiver, and you had to plug something into the front of your system, and then they have a they're they're broadcasting from the controller. They don't cool. work at all. Yeah, so like you, you plug the receiver into the controller port on the NES, right? And you go all Palpatine on your television. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Break loose and go remote. It says this ad is strangely familiar from a previous Game Scoop magazine segment. I, I mean, think it could be. It could be. It could be. It says available in better video game stores across America. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not the best ones, but the better ones. Yeah, take that. Toys R Us and Babbage's or something. Uh, KB Toys. I think oh. we've seen this. I know. I know. We've seen this ad before. This is for Platoon, the NES game from Sunsoft. And I just, I, I always like taken aback by this ad because, of course, most people playing NES games in 1988 were children. And here you have this close up of, uh, of a man with a, a, a knife coming right at the viewer, uh, the knife, you know, ready to attack, plunge into the viewer. I just, it's just a strange ad for something that's being mostly used by children. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like a really high fidelity shot, too. Oh, right? yeah. And that's why they show a close-up of a boss from Blaster Master in the next ad. And then I guess I didn't realize Sunflaft handled the ports of Spy Hunter and Xenophobe to uh, NES also. Yeah, Xenophobe was an incredibly, incredibly confusing game when I was a child. It's an Atari game uh, the, uh, in, in the arcades, and I, mm-hmm. I always liked it, although you're right, it's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. Um... Okay, remember this is 1988. We have a news update on Activision adds two to the 2600 catalog, the, a system <laughs> that was 11 years old at this point. 
They're getting Commando and Kung Fu Master. And that was wow. big news. Yeah. What's the Zork news? news? Let's Zork again like we did last summer. <laughs> I really like that headline. I want to start describing <laughs> game sequels that way. That's <laughs> uh, Zork Zero. It says that has some cor- graphic elements. According to Infocom, Zork is the all-time best-selling entertainment software product. So it was the GTA 5 of 1988. Mm-hmm. With almost 1 million copies sold. Yeah. So in 1988, <laughs> almost selling a million copies made you the best-selling entertainment software product of all That time. can't possibly be true. <laughs> and there's, it's also 200 million stolen copies. There's no, <laughs> there's no chance. There's no chance that there wasn't a million copies of Mario Brothers and like other games out there by 88. Maybe. I don't know. It also says Zork Zero will soon be vi- available for $50. Wow. Wow. $10 less than video games cost in 2020. Yeah. Well, not PS5 games, but yeah. Sure. But yeah. I and mean, that game was still basically text, too. Uh, sports headline Nintendo action. A pair of cool. new games from Nintendo put sports simulations high on the NESers hit list this fall. It's about ice hockey and Mike Tyson's punch out. I just think the write up of Mike Tyson's punch out is strange. It said it lets the gamer advance the ranking of Little Mac, the on screen boxer surrogate, as he <laughs> fights 13 bouts in the minor, major, and world circuits. Gamers who defeat the contenders win a dream match against the champion. Lots of fancy frills make the game more fun. Can you imagine what, like in a review, like what would Dan Stapleton do if our reviewer <laughs> write, lots of fancy frills make the game yeah. more fun? Use an example, is what he'd say. it doesn't mean anything anyway there's just no mention of any of the boxers there's no mention of mike tyson anything that like (laughs) we would talk about about that game today jeez the screenshots the screenshots are clearly like someone taking a photo of a of a television screen that's what those sunset soft ads were too like they just they just did a polaroid and then blew it up really big and the results are not pretty yeah uh i thought this was fascinating activision takes new name Activision changed its corporate name to Mediagenic to symbolize the company's expanding and diversified product lines. And I looked it up. Yes, uh, Activision did change its name to Mediagenic in 1988. And then by the early 90s, it was almost bankrupt. And Bobby Kotick swooped in and bought it for half of half of a million dollars. Wow. And then wow. Changed, the, changed the name back to Activision. And then today it's Activision Blizzard, you know, trading uh, publicly for north of 50 billion dollars yeah i wish we would have scrabbled that scratch together and bought activision yeah. <laughs> uh I, I so crazy so the 1989 Whoa. buyer's guide begins <laughs> i know i know <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so the 1989 buyer's guide begins with a full page artwork uh, or illustration that's a trace of the commando movie poster with arnold schwarzenegger uh-huh. but they gave him an eye patch for some mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. and that's then i don't even know control. there's some other creatures around him uh the my, one might be a robot i don't know what they are and then there's just like a kung fu guy kicking past him what is that unicorn <laughs> smurf looking mother i don't know what is that <laughs> he's, he's also shooting a space gun and the whole thing is is inside a georgia o'keefe flower yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Good call. So they set up, they're going to, they, they've scored each game on um, uh, playability, action, strategy, graphics, sound, and music. Each one from one to four. Four is excellent. One is poor. That, and then they you know, that's, that's the famous PASG scale. <laughs> PASG scale. <laughs> and so they break them up. They break them up from Nintendo, Sega, and Atari. And it, I think they just list every single game that's available from Nintendo. It just goes Whoa. on and on forever. Yeah. And some Nintendo of them did were that scored. on their own sometimes. They'd release this thing called, yeah. I think, Pack Watch, which is like a standalone little issue that was yeah. kind of like the Sears catalog. And some of them have those scores and some don't. Like, Biobilly isn't scored. Commando's mm-hmm. not scored. Oh, and, and then also the blurbs for each game have no opinion, no criticism, no judgment. It's just a an objective... Uh, you know, description. description of the game. So a lot of uh, a lot of yeah. uh, IGN's viewers today would be very happy to read these reviews. <laughs> so it's objective like objective reviews. It's a buyer's guide. It's like it's just a product catalog. You know, yeah. it's like a Sears catalog. Exactly. Yeah. So you're just like flipping through, looking at pictures. They don't have a screenshot of Hudson's Adventure Island for some reason. I would have <laughs> <laughs> that derpy skateboarder from earlier. Man, yeah. I would have loved this as a kid. I would have read I mean, every single one of these blurbs <laughs> and looked at every single one of these yep. screenshots. Yeah, sure. 
yeah, it's just like it must have been every NES game that was available in 1988 because it goes on for so many pages. Mm-hmm. It's still going. I'm still just clicking through these pages and pages of games. And With then you get to Sega, and the the their section is much shorter. So there's weren't oh. as many games, right? This is for the the Master System. Yeah, yeah. Sega Master System, and the Atari is even shorter still. Wait, yeah, why was so, it? Why was it Glass Joe on the Atari section? Go back. You're right. It is Glass mm-hmm. Joe in the Atari section. I guess there's a Fight Night game. It's the first game that they mention. Mm-hmm. Getting uh, uh, their wires crossed at that Does point. It specify a, which Atari system this is. I guess it's 7200. Well, it would have been the 7800, 7, yeah. which could play both 5200 and 2600 games. Okay. Okay. So, right. So this includes that. And uh, Food Fight's in there. Cool. Although it didn't get very high scores, apparently. That's a perfect game in the arcade. So once you get through the buyer's guide, get you a review of Contra written by Andy Eddy. Who we used to work with. That's the Contra. Yeah, Yeah, it's a legend. Former uh, uh, GameSpy, IGN. Um, And the review is interesting. Even though they scored games in the buyer's guide, there's no score on the review. Uh, But he likes the game a lot. And it opens up talking about why he likes the game, even though it's like not very original or anything. But then halfway through his review, he gets into secret hint. Contra normally provides you with three commandos to start, but there is a little-known method of popping that beginning troop count up to 30, and then the final one, two, three, four, five paragraphs of his review are describing how to do that, how to get 30, <laughs> get 30 players in Contra. Really? Yeah. You're and right. then, of course, the, it whole ends cheat, with the, the whole cheat section is built into the review. I love it. Yeah. And then <laughs> it ends with the obligatory address and phone number for Konami Incorporated. In yeah, Wooddale, all, all those old magazines did that, didn't they? Yep. Uh, oh, I guess there's a strategy guide for Blaster Master in it too. I don't think you I think, was going to go. Do you think this. at the end of the strategy guide they have a review? No, but they they walk you through even how to defeat the final boss in the very last little paragraph here. So this is everything you need to do in Blaster Master. You kind of need to play along to a guide for Blaster Master. It's helpful. Yeah. Uh, there's the game doctor answers your questions. One of them is what happened to text adventures. The answer is well, like vaudeville, silent movies, and radio drama. Text adventures have become a creative. Dead End, a game format that is no longer viable because its audience has moved on to uh, to new, less demanding forms of interactive entertainment. And yeah, it actually waxes on for a few more paragraphs on why text adventures are no longer around. There was the, He just had to wait just a little bit longer for the internet to come around to have a yeah. renaissance yeah. for text adventures. I like this one. How do I take advantage of the various online services supposedly available to computer users? Well, you That's need a couple really of things. Early yeah, 88. You need a couple of things besides the computer, disk drive, and monitor itself. You need a modem and, of course, a membership in the services of your choice. The most popular being what is a Delphi, Q-Link, CompuServe, and the source. Hmm. Um, I just, yeah, that's, it's always interesting to see people talking about going online in the 80s. Yeah, they used uh, the modems that had the telephone cradles. Yep. Those are so yes. cool. <laughs> uh, who invented video games is one question. We've no got to go knows. with Ralph Bear. Well, they they correctly seem to they identify Ralph Bear, which is you know I I I definitely had, had no idea who Ralph Bear was in when I was ten years old in 1988. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the the you know you would hear Nolan Bushnell a lot. Yeah, exactly. Then, I, you know, then people have kind of corrected that back to Ralph Bear. Yeah. Okay, that was a look through the December 1988 issue of Video Games and Computer Entertainment. That brings us to video game 20 questions and our suggestions today come from the very same uh who why didn't you just make that weird z noise because there's two of them nick from fort wayne indiana thought it would be a good idea since we're wrapping up 2020 Mm -hmm. to go with 2020 questions and i thought that was pretty cute but of course you are down a person so i don't know should should we hold that for next week or do you guys feel like you can handle it I don't, let's do that, let's do the 2021 next week and do a different right. one this week. Okay, then we'll, we'll revisit this one. And I just need to pick a new one really fast. I'll just pick the first one that comes up here in the old game scoop email. Is uh, it Blaster Master? Maybe if I turn my head, I can see Damon's yeah, screen. Exactly. Can you actually? No. no. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, reject this one. Power Quest for the Game Boy Color. Wouldn't have gotten that. Nope. Damon, you've been telling people for years not to pick stuff that like nobody's ever heard of, and they yeah. still send them in. 
Yes, I know. I know. They never learn. Oh, this one is good. Okay, I found a good one. Okay, uh, I've got it. I've got it. Let me just pull it up on Wikipedia so I can answer your challenging questions. Put the Wikipedia URL in the chat so we have it too. Okay, got it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay, let the questioning begin. Hmm. Could it have appeared in this issue of video games? <laughs> no, it could not have. Uh, uh, can you play this game on your Nintendo Switch? No. Is this a platform exclusive? No. We're off to a bad start. Uh, <laughs> did this game come out in the 90s? No. Is it part of a series? Yes, that's five. So it obviously came out in the 2000s or later. Unless it came out in 1989 and then we're stuck in this <laughs> little tiny... Because that magazine was 88, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Did uh, this come out before 2008? Yes. Okay, okay. That was good. That was clutch. I don't. I don't really remember don't, what what the tw- two thousand eight systems yeah, were. I'm, I'm not that's, sure why you picked two thousand eight, but it did come out before two thousand eight. That's <laughs> like that's like that's like GameCube, Xbox, PS2 era, and then you know maybe I don't know what year that may have been. I, I think, think the three sixty was two thousand eight. I was gonna say like we may have just been kicking off the next generation by then. Mm-hmm. Not a platform exclusive. Uh, was it developed in Japan? No going poorly we I, I miss tina yeah did this come out on a uh on a optical disc yes did this come out on the gamecube no damn it was it on the playstation 2 no that's 10 <laughs> oh man was it on the xbox the original xbox let's do the c3 it's good yeah good no what oh, so. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> wait so it came out not is it from the, the is it from the wii generation of consoles no 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 hold on wait it because let me let me think about this so the gamecube ps ps2 was 2001 and gamecube and xbox were 2002 yeah so it could right? be like a playstation one game that on optical disc because like yeah. there's nintendo 64 games and it's always those it's always those 2000s and 64 games that screw us up mm-hmm. so I, it's sorry to interrupt. Like I, you think can ask I think it's from the Wii generation, not the earlier generation. But that hadn't started yet by then, had it? Or I think it's it? 2006 is Wii. Oh, I think you're right. I might be wrong. I might be. They might be 2000. PS2 might have been 2000 and GameCube 2001. Yeah, it still might Wii. not be on the Wii. I'm just saying that generation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Was this on the Wii era of consoles? Can you specify? Wii 360 PS3? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Was this available on Xbox 360? Yes. Okay. Oh, it took us a while. Sorry about that. I was off by a few no, years. Wait, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, so, was this a highly scored game? Yes. A multi-platform... So, hold on. So, a multi-platform game that was not made in Japan that released on the 360. Part of a series. Not- it's part of a series, and that's actually kind of all. <laughs> that's kind of all we know at this point. Uh, is the series still going today? Yes, Ooh, that's fifteen. Could be Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Could be Call of Duty Two. The, call, the Calls of Duty came out on Wii. But we didn't. We, that wouldn't preclude this from being a thing. Yeah, um, did, they, did they come out on PS2? They may have at way back in that early era. Their PS3, they may have actually been 360 PC only. Although I think by like you know Modern Warfare and stuff, they were on the on. Is this published by a company that has E3 press conferences as of 2019? Yes, it's not called. The Activision doesn't have a press conference. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did Bethesda, did Bethesda could be Morrowind. Yep. It could be so. American companies that do that are basically Microsoft, Bethesda, but Microsoft yeah, yeah, wouldn't right. have had cross-platform, and then Ubisoft. Yeah, Ubisoft. So Maybe it's, it's the it's, first Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it could be Assassin's Creed. So it's it's either Ubisoft or Bethesda. Is this a Ubisoft game? 
No. Oh. Is it a Bethesda game? No. Oh, so it's EA. Is this an uh, EA game? Oh, wait, yes. wait, wait. Yeah. But that's it. Now we got to guess. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we can get Shit. this. No, we're not. no, we won't. Uh, it could be Mass Effect. Yeah. But they, but they, did they, they were, they were you know, already, Bioware was already associated with EA that far back. They'd already bought them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's an EA game released on a disc before 2008 that appeared on the 360. And, and the series is still around. Series still around. It wasn't, and it wasn't an exclusive. Oh, the series I mean, still being EA around. doesn't have a lot of series. I was going to say, so Damon probably wouldn't do us dirty by making it like Madden 2006. Like, no. I'm going to assume, besides, besides like maybe like Fight Night or something, we can probably eliminate all the core sports games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't okay. think it's sports. I'm going to give you uh, uh, so kind of two hints. Yeah, we the need a hint because we didn't have Tina. The first one is that you guys are nowhere even close to getting this game. But the second part of that hint is that I thought you could get it. I really, really thought you two could get it without Tina. Mm -hmm. Mm. So it's probably. Is there like Pagel type stuff? Yeah, there's, you know, there is PopCap. Did EA buy PopCap? Do they own PopCap still? I don't know. Um, I could also, I, could I mean, also or, or, I, um, you know, like battlefield. I, I can't remember when EA gobbled up, like <laughs> the different companies that they acquired. Mm-hmm. And, but he said, we're not even close. So I, I can't really think of a leap I can make right now. Plants for zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Let's guess that. Did okay. that appear? Is it, it plants for zombies? <laughs> No, Aww. and I don't know if that got released on a disc on 360 or not. Whatever, man. Uh, no, it is Lord of the Rings, The Ugh. Battle for Middle Earth 2. Oh, we should have asked about licenses. Yeah. yeah. I played that game. I had that game. I, I played it on 360, yeah. Is that a strategy that? game? Yeah. It's a R- RTS. Wow. It was when they were still in that era of trying to make um, RTS games work on console. Try, like they, you know, they did. They sort of figured out a control scheme that actually worked pretty well. Yeah, that one actually worked well. Then even with like Halo Wars, they continue to improve that control scheme for consoles. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's in uh, that was made right at EA Los Angeles, 2006, both PC and 360. Hmm. So that they must have had the EA must have had the Lord of the Rings license to some abstract point. Well, didn't EA publish all those like action uh, Lord of the Rings games that were based yep. on the movies? Those games are good. Yeah. Those games people have a lot of nostalgia for those. They're like yeah. they're like RPG light, and, yeah, they, and just, they really use the scenes from the movies to set their yeah. their games in them. I think they were just called yeah, like the Two Towers, yep. Return of the King, and they came out on Game Boy Advance and like their own little versions and stuff yeah. like that too. Yeah, uh, that suggestion came from Emil Lang in uh, a place in Denmark that I can't even attempt to pronounce. Um, but the body of his uh, email uh, might be relevant to you, Sam. He says, "I've been following." Janet, Brendan, and Miranda on Twitter and saw how they're preparing for the massive beast that's going to be IGN's Cyberpunk 2077 guide. It seems really interesting. I was hoping uh, there might be an episode dedicated to how the IGN guide team uh, tackled this whole ordeal internally and with freelancers. Guide seems like an underappreciated part of games coverage. It would be cool to shine a spotlight on them. I don't know how, you know, I don't know if GameScoop is the place for that, but I just thought you'd be interested to hear that, Sam. Yeah, no, that's really nice to hear. And I think what's funny is you might think it sounds underappreciated, but it's really appreciated (laughs) because people love using strategy guides and there's a lot of goodwill about it because we make these big giant strategy guides. Um, Now putting, you know, faces in people with who makes the strategy guides is a whole nother thing. There's the internal editorial team and then, you know, 20, 30 at any given time, freelancers working on these things. And it's just a huge team and, and effort to, to break these games down. You can see the origin in uh, video games magazine uh, of, of how far those go back. It's a proud tradition. And th- I think the first way a lot of people discover IGN, which is really neat. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, okay. That is going to be all the scoops that we have for you this week. Uh, next week when Tina's back, we will do video game 2020 questions. Which I think <laughs> is a very cute idea, uh, but thank you to both Justin and Sam. Thank you to Borba working behind the scenes. Remember you can always reach us at the email address, 
Gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.